I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. How many of y'all enjoyed yesterday how beautiful it was outside? I got a little bit of red tan on my head this morning. It's a little bit tender to the touch this morning. and uh, But I take this any day over uh, rainy, cold. i got to get my collar. I'm trying to... I might have to borrow a butcher knife, somebody. Cut this button off. Amen. Before I before I preach, um, I got a few things I want. I want to go before the Lord in prayer, and and uh, first thing I want to I want to pray that the Lord uh, would touch Sister Sister Stacy and her family, and uh, she had actually planned to be here this morning. Uh, just having a, a hard time this morning. She, I hope she don't get upset me saying that, but. We're here to help her and her family. We're very thankful for them. And I know it's a hard time uh, in, this, in this time and they're, they're at. And I uh, want to continue. I know Brother Krause mentioned Brother Eli Hernandez. I want to continue that the Lord will touch him and, and finish the job that the Lord has started. And they're very thankful that they, they did not expect him to live. He was doing good and then he slipped back into... Uh, really uh, critical uh, time in his body and and uh, I, last text I got he wasn't supposed to last for two days and uh, and the, the doctors they went in there and he responded and, and uh, they still he's he's still not out of the woods but he's doing a lot better very thankful for him and his ministry maybe one day he'll come and uh minister to our church and bless us with his testimony but I want to pray for him and I know there's a lot of other needs for the Krause had already prayed but I want to mainly focus on those two things right now with the uplifting of hands and let's begin to cry out to the Lord this morning Lord I pray that you would touch Sister Stacy and their family this morning Lord I pray that you would give them peace Lord I pray that you would give them encouragement in their spirit in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would touch their hearts, touch their minds. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would let your love engulf them, wrap your arms around them. In Jesus' name, the whole entire family, aunts and uncles, grandma, mama, and I pray that you would touch them. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch Brother Hernandez this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give him strength and finish the job in this body that you started for a testimony in Jesus name in Jesus name amen I am thankful that we are uh, almost through with this silly virus thing and uh, I am not scared of it never was I understand that I've got to use I've got to use wisdom I do know that and I know there's some people that are just just continually fearful of it and uh, I know it's real. I do not downplay it. My pastor's wife had it. And her husband, or her, excuse me, her father passed away from it. But there comes a time when the church has to rise above fear. Now, I'm quite certain that Jesus didn't, didn't utilize social distance, distancing when the lepers come to him and wanted to pray, prayed for. Him. You say, well, that was Jesus. Well, 
Peter and Paul and the rest of the disciples, they went in amongst the sick and they had plagues and leprosy and all that. They, there comes a time where we got to have faith. Now, I know that we've got to use, use wisdom. We don't, we don't lick doorknobs to prove. I know there was people out the series had videos of people putting their face on doorknobs to prove it that they're not scared of, of COVID-19. I understand that we've got to use, use, uh, believe it or not, I'm not joking, never heard of anything like that. But, of course, we got kids eating Tide Pods, so, in this generation, so I, I don't know, but, you know, the Bible says that we, after the Holy Ghost, we could pick up serpents and they shall not harm us. That doesn't mean, Brother Allen, that we go up and pick up snakes. Paul accidentally picked up serpents. He accidentally. It doesn't mean, and, and the Bible went on to say, you should drink any deadly thing and it won't harm you. It doesn't mean you drink poison. But if you accidentally drank it, he's going to protect us. And so we got to use wisdom. And uh, But at the same time, we can't let fear dictate our future. Because just as sure as there's pestilence and just as sure as there's uh, the coronavirus, there's going to be things that's, that's going to follow this. The enemy knows how he can paralyze the church in fear. He's going to say, well, I've, I, I can do whatever I want to him now. We've got to rise above those things. And amen. I'm not downplaying anybody that, that, that utilizes social distancing, but some comes a time where you got to have it. With that being said, uh, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And we are going to have church on Mother's Day. We're not going to have church on, at 1 o'clock. We're not going to do a night service. Only for a while. Uh, we are going to have Sunday morning service. And I was I thought about it and prayed about it. and was, uh, Rolling over my mind, what's a good time? And right now, uh, I'm going to go to a Sunday morning service. And I think Mother's Day is a good day to start that back. With that being said, I've collaborated with Sister Laurie. And we are going to... Uh, use wisdom and, and do the things that we need to do to keep us safe. One thing we're going to do, and I've got to talk to the ushers, is the doors that are right here in the sanctuary are going to complete, be completely open. They're going to, nobody's going to touch them. So therefore, you're not going to have to worry about going in and touching the doors every time you want to come in and out. The doors will be open, and we're, uh, we're going to send out text and things on Facebook. I recommend, again... I know it sounds like I'm backtracking and I have faith, but I'd recommend no shaking hands. I'm recommending not to hug somebody. That is not because I don't have faith. It's just trying to use wisdom. And so, but we're going to have church and they've opened it back up and they strongly have recommendations. I'm, it's, the governor's still on the same thing, right? Okay. So we're going to, to abide by what they say, and uh, we're going to have service. And so please tell everybody that you know we're going to have service. Acts 2 and 1, uh, Acts 2, 1 through 4, a very prominent uh, passage of Scripture. And uh, it is a difficult thing to preach without people. This morning, I have more people I can look at than I have in a while. And so I'm going to need you this morning to help me. I want to uh, 
I want to build faith this morning, but I want to tell uh, the folks that are here bodily this morning and the people that are listening outside uh, via text or uh, Facebook uh, what the church is truly all about. And it's easy to get our focus off of the vision. And I know the vision that the church is supposed to carry is the same vision that Jesus had when he came. The Bible says that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And so we, we, we are going to get back to doing what the church is called to do. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, there's a word there that captures my attention, verse 2, and that word is suddenly. And I've noticed something in this generation that they want to experience a suddenly. In other words, they want things now they don't want to they don't want to spend time they don't want to pray they don't want to they don't want to go through uh, the prerequisites uh, that that goes before the move of God and there are things that we have got to do and places that we need to get in position but at that moment they the Bible says and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind you got to understand something they sat there for about 10 days and they prayed fervently they didn't have goosebumps they didn't have the Holy Ghost moving on them and give them chill bumps the Holy Ghost wasn't in their ear talking to them and telling them you keep praying I'm, I'm on my way they was just going by a word that Jesus said you read Acts 1 and 8. When he said, ye shall be witnesses unto me after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he told him to go to Jerusalem until they received the Holy Ghost. And so then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each one of them. And they were all, say all, didn't say some of them. It didn't say that the Holy Ghost was for the ministry. It didn't say that the Holy Ghost was for a few select. It didn't say that the Holy Ghost was for a few people that was predicted to be more spiritual than the other, that God entrusted uh, some with the Holy Ghost and others. It wasn't for them. The Bible says, now there was 120 and there were supposed to be more, uh, more about 500, because the 500 was there on the, uh, the day that Jesus left Mount Transfiguration and 380 of them didn't show up and only 120 came. The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to say something. I'm going to let you be seated. Thank you for standing for so so long. I want you to hear me uh, today. You you may be seated. Just, Just go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Brother Jake. Now, I've heard people say this many times throughout the course of my uh, uh, ministry. And actually, before my ministry started, I tell people tell my father at Bible studies that the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, wasn't for everybody. 
and some believe that it was just for the church in the in in the uh, uh, in in the Bible, and it was only for the apostles, and it was only for a few select. But hear me this morning or to, this afternoon that. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So and then it went on to tell it said uh, they asked they said, what meaneth this? Because there were gazers and they were witnessing these people filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in their language. And they were uh, they were uh, uh, bewildered as to why what this was happening, why this was happening, what this was all about, because they heard these people speaking in their own language. They asked the question, what meaneth this? Aren't these men ignorant and unlearned? Aren't these men Galileans? Peter recognized that, that, that then they started questioning and they actually they thought that those people that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost were drunk. And Peter reassured them. They said they're not drunk, as ye suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. And what he was saying was, look, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, most of the time when people get drunk, it's in the evening time and it's not even it's breakfast time. But these men are not drunk, as ye suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But he went on to reassure them that he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, saith the Lord, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And we know Peter goes back and he grabs a 400 year prophecy and he brings it back and he tells them that this is the Holy Ghost. And he went on to say that it was for you. And for not only for you, but for your children and to their children and to them that are far off, even as many as our Lord, our God shall call. I want to tell you something today that the Holy Ghost is still real. It's still real and it's still uh, right. And there's still only one way to get it. And that is by the power of the gospel, death, burial and resurrection. And I, I tell you this more uh, this today. I got to get out of that habit. Well, next week we'll get back in it. Can I'll just say it's let me tell you today that it's still the will of God for us to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's still for today. It wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for the book of Acts church. It was for us and to them that are far off, even as Lord, Lord our God shall call Romans 8 and 9 said it. It was very, he was very, uh, to the point when he said, unless the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're none of His. So it tells me that I have to have the Spirit of God in me. I have to receive the Holy Ghost for me to be one of His. We need a move of the Holy Ghost in this last day. More than we have ever had in our history of our world. If we've ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need it now. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. Bible says you shall receive the Holy Ghost or power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But let me tell you today, there are certain things before God will move. And he gave that pattern on the day of Pentecost before he would move. 
There were some things that had to be in order before he would come. Notice he didn't come and move on the first day when they were there. Those people, I'm sure, wanted a suddenly, the first ten minutes. But the Bible says they were fervent in their praying. The, the matter, he, matter of fact, when he told them before he left, he said, I want you to go tarry in Jerusalem. That word tarry is not a pleasant word to people that uh, want things right now. And most of the time, and I'm one of them, I want a move now. I want God to move now. I wanted that virus gone now. I wanted Brother Eli Hernandez to to be healed right now. I wanted healing. I want healing to take place in Sister Stacy family and their lives right now. But I understand something that there is a time of tearing before God will give us a moving, before God will move on our behalf. And so if we want to suddenly, there are some examples in the book of Acts that we have got to, we got to recognize. Number one, the Bible says that they were in one accord. And that means that they were in complete agreement. They believed that they would receive the power of the promise to them by Jesus. He, they recognized his promise. And in their, uh, I just want to say something. It wasn't enough for them to gather there. Because a group setting isn't good enough for the power of God to move. It takes more than that. There has to be an agreement in their mind. The Bible says they were in one mind and one accord. And a lot of people think that a church is, is, is a gathering or a group of people. It takes more than that. It's quiet in here. It takes more than that. I'm not here to knock the church. There's churches out there that's got 20,000 and 30,000 people, but they don't preach the truth. I don't want, I don't want, uh, I'm not, since I'm going out face, uh, Facebook live, my job is not going to mention any names. I'm just going to tell you this, that if they don't preach death, burial, and resurrection, I don't need them to tell me how to build an apostolic church. And so we've got to preach what the, what the what the Bible says, and Paul gave us that 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 uh, mandate in Galatians one and eight when he said, "Though you or an angel preach anything or any other doctrine than what we have preached in the book of Acts, you let them be damned." In other words, just to be quite bold and be very transparent this morning, he said, you let them go to hell, but don't you die and go to hell. You preach what they preached. And so what the Bible was saying, he said, they were in one mind, in one accord, which means they were in complete agreement. That did not mean that they all agreed on the color of the carpet or the color of the walls or uh, the way that uh, or what songs they were going to sing or how the piano was supposed to play or how the preacher's style was going to be or who was preaching, but what they had to preach and what they had to believe in was 
the scriptures and what thus saith the Lord said. And they were there. And that was the first prerequisite for the power of God to come forward. They were in one mind and one accord on the day that Jesus poured out the spirit of the 120. There was uh, there was uh, there was one mind in that place. And that was they wanted a move from God. When they left there, they didn't go home complaining how long they had to stay there. They weren't mad about anything. If you study the scripture, the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord rested on them. Imagine praying for ten solid days and never hearing from God. But on after that, when Jesus shows up, the joy of the Lord uh, came upon them. They weren't focused on how hot it was there. They weren't focused on what who wasn't there. They were in one mind, in one accord. And they had an anticipation of a visitation, of an impartation of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I mean, what, 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 what drove them was the weariness of a, of a place and time in their life where they didn't have any change in their life, where they didn't feel any power in, in their lives. They were tired of being comfortless. They were tired of living without the power of Jesus Christ. They were tired Tired of not having a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. The only time they ever heard from God was from some man of God that would preach for them. There was no forgiveness of sin. And their will and their mind and their, uh, their attentive uh, mindset was that they were not leaving there until they felt the power of the Holy Ghost move upon them. It brings me uh, uh, with the mind that that's what I believe that the mindset was when Jacob, when he latched a hold of the angel of the Lord. The Bible talked about he wrestled with him him all night long. I'm sure he wanted to let go. I'm sure he grew weary. But there was a determination in his spirit that said, I'm not leaving here until you change me. I'm not leaving here until I get a name change. And that's what happened. And I pray that in the last day that the church, this church, will grow that kind of mentality and say, you know what? I'm not leaving here until I get what I come here for. wonder how many times we show up for church. And we have that, as Brother Jeff Arnold says, they got that, I'm... Uh, Lately, all all I've got is leaving on my mind. A lot of people show up for church and go, wow, well, we got 20, what, 20 or 30 minutes of singing. And then we'll hurry up through these same songs that we're going to sing and we'll hurry up through here. And hopefully the preacher don't preach for uh, 30 minutes, maybe or more. And we'll get through it and we'll go home and we'll beat the Baptist to the McDonald's. And uh, then we'll, we'll just come back and do it again next week. I remember when I was a kid, we didn't care what time we got out of church. We didn't care what time we didn't care. We didn't care what time we had to get up for school tomorrow. We didn't care what time we had to get up for work tomorrow. We just came and pushed through. And that's that's the mentality that we've got to have is the mentality that Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. We've got to have that kind of spirit. I'm not leaving here on Wednesday night until I get a breakthrough. 
I'm not leaving here on Sunday night until I get a breakthrough. And that's the way they had uh, their mindset on the upper room. They said, you know what? We're not leaving here. We're going to tarry here just like Jesus wanted us to. And we're going to leave here changed. And they took their experiences and they preached and they healed. And the Bible says they cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Not the preachers, not the pastors, not the prophets, not just the teachers. But everybody cast out devils. That's, that's what happens when you get the Holy Ghost. Something begins to happen. And uh, what happened after that day was outside the walls of the upper room or that church house that they were in, they took church outside those four walls. I believe in coming to church. I love it. I believe in showing up when the doors are open, unless I'm sick or unless I have an emergency or whatever. I believe in it. But it's time for the apostolic church. To understand that the church is bigger than the four walls. That the reason we haven't seen our suddenly and the reason we haven't seen the latter day revival like we're it's prophesied that we're going to be we're seeing is that we need to start obeying the scriptures of taking the church outside the four walls. What's the Bible said? Say that the gospel shall be preached unto every nation and every people and every race doesn't matter who it is, how rich they are what their name is, that we got to start doing what God called us to do, and that is preaching. Stop leaving it up to the pastor. Stop leaving it up to the preacher. Stop leaving it up to the Sunday school uh, people. Stop leaving it up to the music team. But we're all supposed to be witnesses. I'm fighting something right now, and i got to get through this right now. I, I, I know that the Lord is speaking right now, but I, and I know we're going to get through this. I, I'm fighting. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm fighting. Maybe it's just, just, it's just the flesh that I'm, I'm dealing with. I'm thinking about Sister Stacy, but we're going we're gonna to fight through this. I need you to help me to pray right now. I need, let's stand right here. Let's stand all over this place right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices right now. Jesus, touch our hearts, touch my, touch my mind, touch our spirits, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I need you. I need you to help me right now all over this place. Lift your voices. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. Romans 14 and 19 said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Things wherewith one may edify another. Follow after. The Bible says that a fool chaseth after the sign. But we shouldn't. There's too many people that chase after signs instead of the giver of the sign. And when the church starts seeking the the face of Jesus Christ, which the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto us. And when we start seeking the face of Jesus, then we're going to see the power of God in in a great and mighty way.
We have to look at the results of this day of Pentecost and what happened as a result of their complete obedience to Jesus Christ. Listen to what happened in Acts 2, 41 and 44. The Bible says, then they gladly received the word and were baptized. And that same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They went from 120 people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost to a revival of 3,000 souls. And then after that, there was 5,000 more souls. And in verse 42, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking bread in prayers. They spoke and preached the same thing. Verse 43 says, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. Preach the same thing. Reason churches today aren't seeing the kind of revival that's prophesied in scriptures is that they have failed to create a rea- an atmosphere of revival. In order for revival to come, the conditions have to be right. In order for God to show up and do what God wants to do in our midst, the environment or conditions have to be right. Have to be right. So hear me. I'm going to give you some conditions or preconditions of revival. Number one, that God wants his church to create an atmosphere for him to be here. Psalms 22 and 3. Says, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Praises of Israel. Praise is the key for the invitation of Jesus Christ. And the true reason why churches are without the presence of Jesus Christ is because they have lost the art of praise and worship. They have lost it. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. Literally, habitates or habitation means he dwells or lives there. That's where he dwells and where praise is, God dwells. He's attracted to the praises of his people. Let me tell you why. It doesn't... It, the praise doesn't bring God, bring the presence of God because he has an inferiority complex and he wants us to pat him on the back and for him to feel good about himself. But praise literally tears down the spirit of carnality. You've got to get this today. That praise brings the presence of God simply because praise tears down the carnality of flesh. And that is when Jesus can do what he wants in our midst. Praise and worship starts breaking the chains of carnality in our life. And what we need in this last day is the apostolic church to find the art of praise and worship. 
I wonder if just for a minute we can begin to praise God for just one moment and begin to worship Jesus for one moment. Praise. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on, I know you're at your house, and I know it may be feeling a little awkward where you're, where you're at. I want you to praise Him. Come on, I want you to praise Him with your heart. Not just your lips. Not, not just your mouth. I want you to begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Come on, I, I feel, I feel that, I feel it breaking right now. I feel there's a spirit of depression that needs to be lifted right now for us to break through. And that's gonna come with a spirit of praise. Come on, pray. The Bible says, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. A path to your heart. He wants an inward path into our heart. And there is no better way than to bring Jesus to our place when we start praising Jesus. I praise you, God. I worship you, Jesus. I lift your name up. Lord, your name shall be praised from the rising of the sun and the going down of the saint. Come on, let's keep doing that for a moment. Hallelujah. Praise is a powerful tool. Praise is a powerful tool. We're supposed to praise Him. Not, I don't, I don't, I don't praise Him and I don't thank Him for my pain, but I praise Him through my pain. I praise Him despite of my pain. So many people want a reason to praise Him. I want to praise you, God, that I want these conditions and I want these, I want, I want this to happen and I want this done before I praise Him. Many places in the scripture, and I've preached it and preached it and preached it, where they praised God before they saw the result of their, uh, of their prayers. Uh, 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 answered one of those places, and I love it. It's a story when jo- Josh, or excuse me, Jonah was swallowed by that great fish. It wasn't anybody else's fault but himself. He finds himself in a predicament. Matter of fact, he he's swallowed by that great fish, goes through the storm, and he's in the belly of a well. Uh, on his, because of his own disobedience, his own failure, most would say, "Well, he deserves it," and possibly he does. But the point is this, when you study that scripture, the Bible says, when he said, in the belly of hell, there I was. For three days. They type and shadow of Jesus Christ when he was in the tomb for three days. 
Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days. And his words was, in the belly of hell, there I was for three days. And if you notice in that scripture, he begins to praise and worship God in the middle of that stinking uh, gut of that, of that nasty old fish. And right after he begins to praise God, that's when that well spit him up on the bank. The best way to get hell, to get to, to, to step away from you is for us to praise God. Praise Him. I praise Him through my pain. I praise Him despite of my pain. And I tell you what, I, 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 I've, I've dreaded. I, it just so happens that our first day at church together that we should anticipate happens to be for me my first Mother's Day. And I've dreaded it. I've thought about it. I've dreaded it. I thought about letting somebody else preach it because I don't want to. But it's my job and I feel like maybe that I should do it. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to preach Mother's Day. But I've dreaded it. And I've had a hard time this whole time leading up to Mother's Day. And I don't know how my, I don't know how it's going to go. But I do know this, that I'm coming to church and I'm going to praise him. I said, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to praise him. Because praise is access way for Jesus to come and visit me and talk to me. Number two, which is besides the presence of Jesus, besides the help of the Holy Ghost, the power of unity. It's the most powerful force on the on the face of the planet. Now, the message I preach on unity is the unification that the men and women had the day that they were trying to build a tower up into the heavens. The Bible says that if he wouldn't have taken away their speech, they would have accomplished whatever they purposed in their hearts. But the crowds, they were trying to, to build a tower to God. Now, I understand that it was probably impossible for them to build a tower up into the heavens, into the heaven that they were trying to get into heaven. However, God came down and took away their unity. And this is what he said about them. The people that were outside the will of God, the people that were carnal, we know they were carnal because the Bible says that they were simply trying to make a name for themselves. And God didn't like it. They weren't kingdom minded. They were fleshly minded. They were trying to build their own kingdoms. They were trying to get bragging rights. But this is what God said about a unified people. He said, if I wouldn't have taken away their unity, he said they would have accomplished whatever They purposed in their hearts to do. They could have done whatever they set out to do. That's without the Holy Ghost. That's without the help of God. That's without the leading of God. They could have done whatever they purposed in their heart and mind. If the people, uh, if people, carnal people can do whatever they purpose in their hearts and minds to do. I wonder what would happen if a unified church would come to church in a unit in the power of unity with one mind and one accord. I wonder what would happen. 
happen in our midst if the Holy Ghost filled church would come in one mind and one accord. Let me tell you something. Nothing would be impossible in the presence of a unified church. Cancers would be healed. The dead would be raised. The COVID-19 would disintegrate if the church would get together in a unified mind. And so they could accomplish whatever they purposed in their heart. Number three, actually, number three should be number one. I'm just going down the line, the prerequisites for us to see an end time revival. Number three should be one. And that is the spirit of repentance. The spirit of repentance is not, it's more than just getting down, admitting uh, that, that you're, you've been a failure. And asking for forgiveness, and that's what it's all about. But what we are doing is when you repent... You and I are acknowledging that you and I are flawed. And the act of repentance is not just for the man or woman that initially comes to God for the initial plan of salvation. That's why Paul said, I died daily. I have to repent daily. I have to ask forgiveness daily. And thank God for that. It just shows that His mercy is and grace is made new every single day. Every morning He gets up. There was a spirit of repentance, but repentance is an is an act, and to, to, to telling your uh, admitting to yourself that I am flawed. There are things wrong with me. I don't have it all together. I need God in my life. I need Lord it over. I need direction. I'm nothing without Jesus Christ in my life. And we, when we repent, it's an act of pouring out ourselves and admitting to God that I can't do anything without Jesus Christ. And it gets rid of a haughty spirit and a self-righteous spirit. And we are admitting that it's it, it, we, uh, that our our uh, righteousness is uh, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And when we begin to have a spirit of repentance, God can do something with the repentant heart and mine and say, you know what? They're not full of themselves. I can come and do whatever I can through them. That's why there's so many churches that are so full of flesh and so full of themselves and God can't move is because they don't have the spirit of forgiveness. I had a pastor tell, say this before he, he said it. He said, I don't I don't I don't have to ask for forgiveness. He said, when he saved me, he gave me the power of the Holy Ghost and I don't need I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I think that is is a is an act of blaspheming. Because those people. When Jesus was forgiving sins, they, they called him a blasphemer. He said only God can forgive sins. The fact is that every single one of us need forgiveness. And when we say that I don't need, I don't need forgiveness, what we are saying is we are, we are as God. And there's only one perfect one, but Jesus Christ, which is God in the flesh. 
And so when we go about our lives and we don't think that we need forgiveness or we don't need to repent, we're going to die in our sins. There's only one perfect but Jesus. I need him every single day of my life. Every single day, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta repent. Matter of fact, every night I lay my head down on my pillow, I go through the, the, these, these words, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, I need you to forgive me. I can't do this on my own. And there has to be a spirit of forgiveness in our heart. And the church needs to understand that if we're ever going to have a life in our, in our life, we're gonna have to die out in our flesh. Spirit of repentance needs needs to be in the forefront of our mind. There's another one that many times we look past. And many times we look past what I'm getting ready to tell you. We look past this one thing. Because we can get so intoxicated with everything wrong and everything negative in our life that we fail to simply become thankful. They were thankful. The Bible says they continued daily with one cord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and, and singleness of heart, gladness, thankfulness. They were, they were thankful for what they had, what God was doing in their lives right now. I'm sure some of them were poor. I'm sure some of them probably didn't have the food that they thought they should have in the cupboard. I'm thankful, I'm sure that some of them had probably had losses in their life. I'm, I'm sure that most of them had, had battles that they were going through, but the scripture says they continued daily with gladness, singleness of heart. In other words, their heart, their heart was given to the love and the kingdom of Jesus Christ and not on the things of this world. In other words, they didn't love this world, come in and love the things of, the, of, of Jesus. Go out and love the things of this world and go out and come back to church. They live for Jesus every single day. They didn't just live for Jesus on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or revival services. It was every day. Thankfulness. The spirit of thanksgiving will bring more blessings from our Father in the future. Moms and dads, you ever... I don't know if you've ever given your child a, a gift on Christmas or seen somebody else give their children a gift on Christmas. You can tell the difference between a spoiled kid and a kid that's just thankful for what they're getting. You ever seen a spoiled kid? We probably all had them. And we probably have all been there spoiled at one moment. They, your parent give you a gift. And I've seen kids just halfway open a gift. And they no longer look at that gift. And they throw it to the side. They pick up another one. They open it and they throw that one. And they run through 20, or 30, 20 30 gifts. 
And one of the questions a kid will ask, is that it? Is there more? They're looking under the tree. They're looking in the closets, trying to see if mom and dad gave them more. You got it. Then you got those kids, man. They're just thankful because they're grateful and they understand that gifts come from love out of their parents' heart or their father's heart. And they're just thankful. It's like the spirit that y'all can come up with. It's like the spirit that the stories that we've heard some of the third world countries where they're not allowed to have Bibles. I heard a minister tell who is actually no, it was I think it was Mark Lowerly, where they went in and they found this this company, Brother Krause, to, to give their Bibles and this company brought them four million four million Bibles. Four million. And they started passing the Bibles out. And as soon as they started passing the Bibles out, the ones passing the Bibles, they were, they were blown away because they started hearing pages rip out of the Bible. And they started stopping them. They said, no, 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 no. We, we got Bibles. We got Bibles. Do you know, what, are, what are you doing uh, to give for everybody around? We, we, we give everybody a Bible. And they said, well, you don't understand. We're not used to having this kind of thing. And what we're doing is we want to share. We want to make sure. And what they were doing, what they would do is they'd call. They have a group. They'd say, look, I've got page five. You got page six. And I'll meet you here tomorrow. And we'll switch out pages. And they were so thankful just to have the one page of the Word of God. And it's sad that in America that people are so ungrateful that they've got Bibles after Bibles after Bibles sitting on their tables and sitting in their dens and sitting uh, in bookshelves that they got dust on them that they don't even read them. And when they, that, not even that, we've got Bibles on Google and Bibles on, on uh, we can read them online at any time. And I have found myself giving attention to YouTube when I got the Word of Life at my fingertips. So I'm preaching to all of us as we stand. I think repentance and beyond that, a spirit of thanksgiving is in order. And I wonder if the musicians and singers begin to sing and play. I wonder if you could just lift your hands in thanksgiving. I wonder if you could just thank you this morning for giving. Say, well, I don't really have anything to be thankful for. Well, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus shed every drop of blood on Calvary's hill and bought every sin that you ever committed, past, present, and future. And for that, we should be thankful.
But I think if revival is going to come, it's going to come with a spirit of thanksgiving. I'm thankful for everything that I get. I'm thankful for every blessing that I get. I'm thankful for every testimony that was given. I'm thankful for every saint of God. I'm thankful for every mother, child, father, every every man, woman in this place. I'm thankful. Come on, let's worship Him this morning or to this afternoon in Thanksgiving. And let's worship Jesus and thank Him this fine, beautiful day.